0: Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that is replacing Happy Hour with Rhyme Time. I'm your host, David Lloyd. And this week we're focusing on the series that started, the, actually started this podcast, and that's Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, our first episode was on uh, Xenoblade 2, and uh, now we've uh, come full circle and we're doing the definitive edition of Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, the first. That's now on Switch, so we figure it's the perfect time to come back to this series. Uh, this week we're back to the Dynamic Trio, starting with Reviews Editor at Nintendo World Report, Jordan Rudick.
1: I'm just happy that we don't have a, someone on the podcast with the last name that's going to trip you up this week. <laughs> we, we we went back to the well because we we're t- we're tired of all the the butchering of pronunciations.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's pretty pretty hard to screw up uh, names. I've been saying, I I guess we'll have to get those guests on more often or something so that uh, it's baked into my mind.
1: It's a, it, yeah, no, it's it's good practice, you know. Like we want to obviously want to have different voices on the podcast, and it was really nice of uh, uh, Ben to join us last week and. Ben Page, to join us the week before. Uh, Yeah, it was nice nice to have some new voices join the show. And uh, yeah, we've gone back to the well this week for an old favorite of ours. Yeah,
0: and uh, he was here for the first uh, episode, and he's here with us again. Couldn't pass up the chance to do Xenoblade. Uh, Rounding out the trio, it's the better half of the Talk Nintendo podcast. Casey Gibson.
2: Ricky Pwn is Hero Pwn.
1: I'm glad you mentioned Hero Pond because I wanted to say something <laughs> about it. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't I know kinda how much uh, Casey likes Riki, so I'll just let uh, him do it.
2: He's my boy, man. It's just so upsetting that I can't find a good spot to get him in my trio for uh, yeah. for extended periods of time. But, you know, he's got to get in there every once in a while. He's just too cute. I think you were the only uh, Nopon lover on the first podcast, too. I'm a Nopon kind of guy,
1: man. Yeah i like ricky a lot like i i like i like his character I, I i i thought i remembered him having a bigger role in the story i mean it's not super late when you get him on your team but um you know when, i think when he's involved in a scene or he's, he's usually got something funny or cute to say and the interactions between uh ryan and ricky are always very good
2: yeah he's the nice uh comedic relief in what at times can you know really be a uh pretty serious story they they do like to sprinkle in some you know comedy but yeah ricky always good for a a good one-off comment here and there and like you said with ryan those two are uh i mean they they might not look anything alike but they could probably be brothers the way they nitpick
1: they're yeah they're very (laughs) chummy they're very good they're very good pals for sure
0: all right well i will we probably got a lot to say so we'll probably we should probably jump right into the drinks and uh, jordan why don't you kick us off
1: so I've got a special uh, announcement for the podcast. Um, I'm wondering if one of you or both of you would like to guess what that is. It's related to uh, the drink discussion, in particular, my drink.
2: Did you finally find that that Dr. Pepper thing? I forget the, the drink. <laughs> the cream soda. The Dr. That's Dr. It. Pepper, Dr. Pepper, cream Pepper soda. Cream soda. Seeds yeah.
1: That, that would be worthy not only of a big announcement, but of a, an entire episode dedicated <laughs> to... <laughs> The, the journey uh it would take to acquire that drink but no that's a good guess casey what about you david you got a guess
0: i am leaning towards either something starbucks related or
1: or you've got
0: some <laughs> kind of like actual real beer this time that's not
1: uh not both both good guesses uh it is a thursday so i i had my starbucks in the morning um no it's it's actually related to uh our third chair this evening casey so it, it's it's almost inspired by him actually we'll say so a
0: decaf coffee,
1: a Pepsi Cola. One of you is right. So, <laughs> I I have uh, I hate to give him too much credit, but I have seen the the soft drink light. I have seen the. I, I've realized what I've been missing my whole life. Uh, I might be a convert, Casey. I might be a Pepsi convert, Ooh. and in, in no in no small part, thanks to you. Well, um, I tell you what, I was awfully
2: tired a minute ago, but I have new life. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Yeah. The we, life could go. been we could try and top that. Uh, that first episode on Xenoblade Two it was like four hours. I'm ready now. <laughs> I am ready. Let's go, baby. So here's how it happened.
1: So I, I know, like, okay, I obviously, I'd had, I brought Coke on the on the sh- on the show before. We've talked about you know per- my preference for Coke over Pepsi. But I realized that I hadn't really tested that in a long time. I hadn't had like a can of Pepsi or a bottle of Pepsi in a long, long time. Just like if you if you always if you think you prefer one, you just never get the other one, right? You bo- mm-hmm. you almost always have that choice, right? So uh, at any rate, I went out and I got a twenty four pack of Pepsi, and I'm like, okay, th- you know, this is this is like the the last chance, you know, the last ditch <laughs> effort, we'll say. Um old and- college try. Yeah, that's right, And I did, I ate a 24 pack, you know, you're going to figure out pretty quickly whether you still like it or not. And, you went all in, yeah. I like it. Hey, I've been, I've been having one, sometimes two of these a day. I know how bad that is, but I promise I'm going to start going to the gym when they <laughs> open up next week. Um, so, so I've been going through these and I'm like, man, I, I don't know if I prefer like the fountain Pepsi. I think that might be different, but in the can, yeah, I might be I might be all over this from now on. I might be I might have made the permanent switch over to the the red, white, and blue. So uh yeah, so cheers to you, Casey. You I gotta wipe you, the tears
2: out of my eyes.
1: You you I I am sure I made fun of you in the past, you know, about your love of Pepsi and your preference for it, and now I'm with you, brother. So there's there's something about it. Like I I I just prefer the flavor. It's a little bit sweeter. I think I've always known that, but Maybe I just was in the mood for that lately, and yeah, it's great. So, um, yeah, sorry Coke, uh, I've uh, I've changed teams here. I'm I'm firmly on team Pepsi now. <laughs> Such
2: great news! Such great news! Yeah,
1: yeah, because like you said, I mean, I was a Coke
2: guy growing up myself, and then yeah. whatever reason, it's just Pepsi is so good, dude. Oh, I implore everyone listening, go get yourself a can of Pepsi. And I, yeah, I definitely think in a can is better. But I mean, I think that's true of probably all sodas, but I agree. So so good.
1: So I, I was Pepsi when I was younger too. And then I, or sorry, I I was, I guess the other side. And then I was Coke for a long time in that middle stretch. And now, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm back. I'm back to the, uh, back to the blue can here. So he's back to the good guys. Yep. Yep.
0: Somebody needs to investigate why uh, Pop tastes different from a plastic bottle or an aluminum can. Because it, it it tastes different, I'm telling you right now. Oh, absolutely it's You're totally right. Yeah, it does. Um, what is I was it? Also, it does. It makes no sense.
1: And I mean, there's another thing that I've kind of noticed with my own uh, drink, just drinking habits at home. Like, I prefer drinking things out of plastic containers. Like, if I if I'm not having it in the can because I usually drink it with a lot of ice, I put it in a, a plastic cup. I don't like using glass cups or hmm, um, interest or metal cups or anything. I I, I would prefer. The taste or the flavor of it from a plastic cup, and I, 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 am probably in the minority there, but it's just something, just another thing I noticed the last few months. Like I, I would experiment and be like, ah, I, I prefer to drink out of a big plastic cup. So,
2: yeah, I go. guess for me, I, I'm a mug kind of guy. So yeah, mm. got you got to have a couple cubes in there. Poor yep. little oh, God, Jordan, oh. Man, this well, is the best podcast back, I've ever been on. <laughs> I, was just, I was saving that for the next
1: <laughs> time we were going to get together, so I, I figured you'd be happy about that. Uh, well, for for me, my drink, I don't have a
2: Pepsi, unfortunately. I, I did have some before. I got a, a good old-fashioned H2O, um, keeping, it, keeping it sort of plain and boring tonight. I should have made a coffee. I, I actually went out, and um, there's this, like, it's actually like a, a dessert restaurant or at a dessert bar of some sort. I don't know. Like they, they serve like alcohol and stuff too, but they got like really good coffees and dessert. Um, and I, I went there earlier with my sister and got like a, it was like a double espresso drink. Oh, it was fantastic. But the only bad thing that was at like three 30 and, and now it's 1130. I should have yeah, made you're... another one. I should have, but <laughs> what, Jordan uh, what, what got me, des- me what covered. Kind of so. So,
1: what kind of desserts do they have there? Like I, I, I like places like that where it's like, of specializing in in something but you know, they had go there for for breakfast or whatever too all
2: sorts uh for me my personal uh go-to is the blueberry cobbler and oh dude a little scoop of ice cream mm, nice and warm when it comes out not the ice cream the, the cobbler uh my sister got like a pecan pie uh, or a slice of it but they had all sorts like they got cheesecake red velvet um what else they had? like uh all sorts of really delicious food and then you get there and it's like you see them all out in the display and it's so hard to pick you know it's like oh god
1: they all look so good but i love that when you go in and you know it's a good place when you you can't you're you're spending so much time kind of just debating about what you want to get there right like when everything looks so good that's a it's a nice problem to have
2: (laughs) yeah normally it's like i sort of hate when i go to a place that has like options that are all look good just because it's tough mm. to decide but obviously it's a it's a good decision uh, a good problem to have and that's sort yes, of like yes. uh I don't know if you guys have like diners like I mean obviously I'm sure you have diners but like something about like a New York diner you could go in there at any time of the day they're 24 hours and you could mm. literally get like anything you want you want breakfast you want lunch you want like a steak dinner you know it's like they literally have everything um mm. but like I love going to those but at the same token it's like man it's bad enough when you got to choose what you want to eat, let alone having to choose, like, do I want breakfast, dinner? You know, it's like, oh, yeah. I-, I get, like, uh, choice paralysis. And and I- that's why, like, open world games for me, I feel like I end up not liking them too much because there's just too much. I I need to ni- push me in the right direction. Well, in uh, true mage fashion,
0: I guess I'm drinking alone, but uh, my drink is uh, kind of dessert-like. It's uh, a caramel stout. From the brewery and distillery from uh, Montreal, uh, it's called Oshlag or Oshlega. Not sure which uh, the print. Pronoun- me and my me and my names, but uh, this one is um, so yeah. It's a it's a stout with a it's got a bit of caramel and a bit of vanilla to it, and uh, they liken it to uh, drinking a creme brulee.
1: Mm. That sounds good. Mm. Yep.
0: Yeah. So uh, it was it was much thicker on the caramel than I was expecting. But it was still pretty, pretty damn good. So, uh, yep. That so is, that is a pretty, the,
1: st- pretty strong beer for a stout, David, or is it, uh, no, it was only six percent actually. Price. Okay.
0: Yeah, it was only six, so it was pretty low. It was, they were going more on the flavor than the Alki, I guess, though.
1: So. Yeah. I, now I have to, I have to say, I, I feel like that's been your kind of modus operandi for the, the last few weeks, maybe even months is the, you, when was the last time you hit, you know, even 9 or 10%? I feel like it's been a while.
0: Well, uh, for the podcast, it's been a while.
1: Yes, okay, fair. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid me thinking the only time you drink is when we are recording an RPG podcast. <laughs> not, not you know, every single day during a pandemic. <laughs> There's a
0: weekend every week, Jordan.
1: Oh, yeah, it's 5 o'clock uh, somewhere all the time, right, David? <laughs> That's right no uh i
0: still have the um the, uh oh i'm blanking on the uh on my uh red um belgian wine or belgian beer mm. can't think of the name now the um was that last week no i it was a few weeks ago but i think i, I usually talk about it because it's like one of my oh rodenbach the right so now that the Rodenbach is in this. It's it, the worst possible thing for me. It was that they started uh, selling Rodenbach in the my local uh, grocery store because now it's just it's just there and it's like can't not have one in the. You hip can't, zone. I mean,
1: if you're al- if you're already at the grocery store, you're Winning not gonna Rome. walk yeah. out with you're not gonna walk out without it.
0: Exactly. So
1: <laughs> Saturday's see, is that,
0: Rodenbach night.
1: That's a, that's see that's how they get you. I don't know alcohol in grocery stores is a newer thing in, in my neck of the woods so anytime you go to the grocery store they're always doing like tastings like you can you, i mean you could you could go and you know try different bunch of uh, wines or whatever the wines are on special there um they haven't started i don't think they've started doing beer in a lot of the grocery stores at least but not that i've noticed but wine is a newer thing so they're always doing tastings yeah. there which is kind of fun right
0: Yeah, they, uh, you get the odd tasting at my grocery store, but it's kind of small, so I I don't think it's too often, but I've seen that in Ontario because they just started selling beer in the, I think it's about a year or so in now that they started selling beer. I was in an Ontario grocery store once and they, yeah, they had a big, um, tasting, they had some, like, beer company in that had a bunch of beers and they were doing it all fancy and stuff, so.
2: I used to work at a liquor store and, and we'd have, uh, we'd have, like, reps come down and, and all of a sudden, like... I mean, we were pretty popular, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people would come in. And, uh, but on those nights, oh man, it was like a bar within itself. You know, everyone coming in and getting that, like, (laughs) the free drinks and stuff. Oh my goodness.
0: I, uh, we don't want this to turn into like the first episode going three hours, so we should maybe we'll start. We're gonna flip the script. Usually we end with the story. I think let's this week we'll start with the story, and uh, maybe uh, Casey wants to if you want to just give us a, lo- a quick summary of uh, what Xenoblade Chronicles is, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep it light on the spoilers. There I'm sure there'll be a few, but uh, we won't give away the ending or that sort of thing. But yeah, if Casey want to take us through uh, what someone can expect getting into Xenoblade.
2: Sure. Yeah, so the first thing you're going to notice, you know, right off... Well, first I should say the opening hits hard. Oh my goodness, I forgot how how hard it slaps right off the bat. You know, you get right into the thick of it. And, um, you know, it's essentially you are on this big, giant being, the uh, Bionis. And there is a, a counterpart to the Bionis, it is the Macanis. And it, they have had this big, epic battle that waged on for. Years and years and years and years, and eventually uh, coming to a a halt where they sort of both, like, get, you know, in mid-battle, just sort of, boom, it's frozen, and now they have all these creatures, the the Nopons, which we mentioned a little bit before, you got the Homs, you got the Hyentia, you've got all these different races living on uh, the Bionis, and then you've got the Mekon, which are as... You might imply by the name they're mechanical beings, and they're on the the Mechonis and they sort of wage war um, on these people living on the bionis. So it's sort of a constant, you know, battle uh, within, you know, from each area. And what happens is you sort of pick up where Colony Nine is under attack, and you see uh, a couple of different characters right off the bat. Uh, Dunban, he's got the the, the legendary. Um, Wow. Monado. I almost called it the Aegis. Uh, <laughs> the legendary <laughs> Manado, And, it, you know, it's like a really awesome-looking sword, and you see a couple different characters, and they're sort of deciding, you know, do we push forward, do we push back? And, you know, he he's not one to let down on a fight. And you're able to push them off, and then, you know, you sort of fast-forward. I believe it's one year. Um, and then, you know, you sort of are introduced to Shulk and Fiora and a few other different characters, Ryan and quickly right off the bat, some, some crazy stuff goes down, I mean, I don't, like I said, we don't want to get too much into spoilers, but essentially, uh, Shulk gets into a position where he wants to wage revenge on the, the Mechon, because they, uh, they came through Colony 9, and, and, you know, they did some really bad things, and essentially now, uh, Shulk has control of the Monado, he sets out, and your goal is, you know, working your way over to the, the, my, wow, to fight the Mechon, but along the way, you start to see how powerful the Monado really is, and, you know, Dunban had it originally, and he is one of the few people, you know, who could actually wield the sword, it's, it's too much for most people, but then, You find out once Shulk gets a hold of it, not only can he wield it, but he's unlocking powers that, you know, they did not even know were possible, and and the biggest one being that he could see the future. He gets glimpses of the future, and initially they're really sort of, you know, confusing, you know, it's not clear what's going on, but as you get closer to the event, it starts to, you know, come into focus, and Shulk is now able to see what's happening, and take action to try and prevent that and eventually you know you're he's meeting you know in these visions he's seeing people and characters that you know he doesn't even know this person yet he, he hasn't met these people and that's why it's hazy but it's really interesting because uh you know it helps him change the future and, and that's a big sort of uh you know reoccurring thing as you continue through the, the game but you also continue to unlock new abilities as you know shulk you know, sort of masters the Monado, and, you know, you you start to learn a little bit of history of the Monado, and like I said before, the High Entia, they're a different, you know, race of beings on the Macanus, or excuse me, the Bionis, and you start to interact with them, and you just sort of start to see how this world is, you know, comes together and it's living, and, and it's just, and, and of course, like you said, we're not going to get into spoilers, um, but there are tons of twists and turns along the way that sort of flip everything on its head, and, um, yeah, it's just a really big, grand adventure because, you know, you start off Colony 9, but then you need to work your way up to get over to the Mechonis, and, you know, it's actually over a big sword, but, you know, as you're traveling, you're going on spots, oh, you're on the Bionis' knee, and you're seeing these big areas, and, and it's just sort of cool how... The whole world is intertwined and and really how all the characters and everything sort of mix and match. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's just a very grand adventure. And, you know, at first you have one goal and, like I said, things sort of turn and twist. And uh, it's really interesting how it all pans out.
1: Yeah, I think what I really like the best is that uh, this idea of you're living on these two giant beings and they, they they kind of make up the world and so every different part of their bodies that you visit is a different biome or a different type of environment, right? From the the kind of the giant sweeping Gaur plains on the Bionis's back, uh, you go inside the interior of the uh, of the Bionis, and and that's different too. Uh, I mean, it looks. You, you, I mean, maybe you're traveling through its heart or uh, around some of its circular t- uh, circulatory systems, and it does feel like you're inside a, a living creature, right? Um, the it, it it really is a grand adventure, like going all the way through the Bionis to get to the top of it, and then kind of going over the sword to get to the Mechonis. And um, the you really do feel for the characters. It, it's, it's obviously a very long game, but so much of it is, uh, I think I think I really like the voice acting, but so much of it is this, you know, forming this attachment with uh, Shulk and the rest of the characters uh, kind of as the characters get closer to uh, one another, I think you really do feel like you're part of that, uh, part of that process of them bonding. So um, I really love the characters, the the world is just fantastic. Um, it it truly feels like an open world RPG, um, but not unmanageably so like there are definitely like I, I obviously I played through the game, uh, the Switch version that we we were talking about. And there's so many areas i haven't gone to yet i need to go back to it i haven't i haven't seen like you know more than a couple of the heart to hearts which you get from building up the relationships between characters um yeah there's just there's just a ton of stuff to this game and at the forefront is this really gripping emotional story uh, of shulk and these characters and shulk's pursuit of revenge and how he he's becoming like this hero of the monado like it's it really is that that hero's journey But it is, you're absolutely right, Casey. It's full of twists. It's a lot of stuff uh, happens that you don't see coming. Um, Maybe we'll talk about some of that stuff later. But yeah, it's an amazing journey. Like it's definitely a, after playing it again, I I, I realized like, yeah, this is a must play RPG. And now uh, that it's out on Switch, there's three different places, four different places you can play it on Wii U as well. There's there's really no excuse for not having gone through this game if you're an RPG fan. I I do think it's a, a must play in the genre now
0: and uh, it's funny that you mentioned the where you can play it because I have. So I'm playing it on my Wii, on my Wii U with the Wii disc, mm. <laughs> uh, using using a Wii Wii remote. Unfortunately, with the nunchuck, uh, which uh, wasn't like I, I kind of moan about it, but it's it's not as terrible as some of the other Wii games I have played, where like it it doesn't rely on motion controls at least, like it's just. Mm-hmm one in each hand so it's it's fine but um yeah i think like you said with the with the scope of the game the the thing that stood out for me was the just how how big the world is like Mm -hmm. especially for a wii game you're you're walking through walking on the bionis and there's like the the different areas but everything it's it's like this huge king like you got mountains and and places and waterfalls and everything is big and beautiful uh, the version I played, like the faces were, 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 uh, hilarious, hilariously bad. <laughs> A yes. little uh, lackluster. Which, yeah, which, uh, you guys will, I think you both, you, you both are on the Switch version, right? To, yeah. for This playthrough? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's, that's all fixed up on your end. Um, so it, it it's, it's actually kind of, uh, funny that uh, the, I know that's like one of the, f- they didn't actually change the landscape in, in the definitive edition. It's mostly they, they just kind of improved on the characters themselves, uh, which uh, it makes sense to me because the the, the visuals of the s- scenery were already great. Like, they, mm-hmm. they certainly didn't need to work on those. They already looked terrific.
2: Yeah, I think they just, yeah, really focused on those character <laughs> faces. Um, and just, it, it is really insane seeing the cutscenes how much better it looks and I mean I haven't gone back and played the original but just seeing some comparisons and and just even from memory like it was one of those well you're playing the game you're like this game's amazing you know it's awesome but and the, like it's always a yeah but the character models and like yeah they're not great you know but it doesn't take away from how awesome the game is but now that they've brought that up to speed it 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 I know it. Definitive edition. It truly is like the
1: perfect way to play. It's oh, it's this game, man, so good. I mean, I think it's the for me, it's the quality of life changes that they've made, right? Like it's so easy to identify where you need to go next for quests. Uh, the fast travels really snappy. Um, it just it just feels like a much less cumbersome game to play. Uh, like I played originally on the three D, the new three DS version. Uh, that's the one I I finished that for the first time when I played the game and. It, it felt like I, I was almost disincentivized to do side quests because it was such a pain in the butt to do so. Like I, if I wanted to find something, I really had to just kind of go out and, you know, rely on the hints that were given by uh, the characters. And there's so, so many side quests that uh, I, I got kind of frustrated or bored of that really quickly. Um, but you kind of need to do the side quests in this game uh, just because it, 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 it's not an easy game. Like it, it if you're not perfect with the battle system like you have to have a lot of competence with the battle system to begin with but if you're not kind of at the right level for boss fights if you're if you're under leveled or you don't have the right equipment uh it becomes a very very challenging game almost impossibly so so uh doing side quests is is really a must and so the fact that they're much easier to do in this version i think is a huge part of what makes it definitive like i i i kind of agree with the criticism about the visuals or the graphics like i uh, I think that the the game sh- could perform better and could have more detail to it, but it's really the art style that kind of keeps it looking so spectacular like it, it really is an an awesome uh, art style that they go for that really does make every part of the adventure feel unique.
2: yeah, and it's funny actually that, like mentioning the quest, like how they've really sort of made it easy to do side quests and such. Because, as I was saying before, I'm not usually too into doing side quests and things. I'm more of a, I just want to sort of, you know, do the story. Maybe I'll dabble a little bit here and there. So, I remember my first playthrough, like, there were definitely times where I had to stop and grind a little bit. Where this playthrough, I have been doing some side quests. Oh, you know, you grab those, you find that one NPC who's like, Hey, I'm going to give you three or four quests to go kill X amount of monsters, you know, here and here and here. And having that sort of displayed on the map makes it easy to go do. You know, I love the combat in this game, so I have no problem just railing through a bunch of enemies, you know. So, I'd like, oh, point me which direction, let me go handle that. And then I just, you know, was doing a boss the other night, and it's like, I had no problem at all, you know what I mean? Like, one shot it, mm-hmm. and it was, like, comfortable. You know, I wasn't sitting there like, oh, God, this is going to be close. You know, I was able to sort of handle it, you know, pretty easily, and it felt good, you know? It's, like, felt good to not have to, you know, not that I am against, you know, grind here and there, you know, obviously, I think <laughs> all of us are big RPGs fans. You know, we've all we've all done the grind, you know, but mm-hmm. to be able to sort of see that grind, and instead it's just you know, doing some side quests, learning about some new characters and uh, you know, then being able to progress and still do it well. It's uh super satisfying, you know.
0: I like how the a lot of the side quests, like you could actually have already done them when you go to, to talk to the person and then it's just automatic um uh, mm-hmm. provo- like there was a few where um uh, like the in the village where you first meet Sharla, I remember I talked to like three people in a row and they all gave me a side quest, but then it was Automatically completed because I'd actually um, defeated all the monsters that they wanted me to, to find already, <laughs> or oh, I think man. I had like there was one might have been like finding some find some item or something that I already had, and I just yeah I thought it was pretty funny that I was just going through and like oh okay I'll take I'll take that money and experience that's fine, I'm you know, um and then yeah with the um that you don't have to go back to the uh, I learned the hard the hard way the. Um, where the when the quest is completed you don't actually have to go back to the to the npc Mm -hmm. to collect your reward because uh there was the one in colony nine i think it's like one of the first ones that you see there i think he like lost his wedding ring or something and i found it immediately and i went back and i didn't real like i didn't notice or or when i saw the quest was completed i just i thought it was more like oh you've done it now you got to go get your reward so the, when the guy wouldn't give me my reward, I was like, "What? What's going on here? <laughs> Why won't this, yeah. you, this guy did, won't talk he to me anymore?" Me off. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "I'm not giving you this ring back. Till you give me my money." And um, so yeah,
1: yeah, I see. I didn't realize that, David. I, I'd forgotten that in the original version, it it had that nice feature of as soon as you complete a quest, you don't need to go back to the quest giver. You're automatically given the reward. And I think, man. I love that in RPGs. Please make that like <laughs> yeah. a mainstay. Like don't don't force the backtracking for, I, I guess it's for some flavor text or some interaction with the NPC uh, who gives you the quest. But there's something real, it's just really satisfying about getting the reward instantly and then moving on to the next one rather than like, Okay, I'm. A, I have to kill three of this this giant creature. I do that. Go back, get the reward. Go back out, kill a different creature. Go, you know, like it's it's nice for to, to just eliminate some of that travel time.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, I actually had a question for you guys with the the new one. I keep hearing things about how the music is different in the definitive edition. Like, there's some kind of remastering. Like, have you noticed any
1: difference in the music that's playing or? so uh i'll I'll go first i I did notice the difference and I think it, it for me it's a tale of two two halves I suppose that the in the first half of the game, I believe I prefer the original version of the music uh things like the colony nine theme uh the theme from Gower Plains uh, na- daytime and nighttime I think I prefer the original it just sounds a little bit more epic uh and less subdued I think the the move to the maybe fully orchestrated or whatever they've done with the, the remastered version, it sounds a little softer to me, less, um, less kind of in your, less in your face, less, maybe less dramatic, more subtle. Uh, but I think for the latter half of the game, the, the new, the definitive version sound uh, definitive edition soundtrack uh, actually heightens a lot of those, uh, those pieces. I think they, they sound better in the uh, the orchestrated version or the the remastered version of the soundtrack. So, um I'm I'm kind of 50/50. I like uh, I, I think this it's a fantastic soundtrack, but I think there's some songs that sound better in the old version, some that sound better at least to me or that I prefer in the definitive edition. Uh what about you, Case?
2: Uh to be honest with you, I, I really need to go back like I played uh Xenoblade the first one I think it was 2013, or it might have been mm. early 2014. So it's been a long time. I would really need to, honestly, like get onto YouTube and, and give it like a side by side comparison. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I can't 100 percent comment with certainty, but you know, just talking about the actual music itself, it, so many really memorable musics. Um, I love that, it, and it's sort of a staple for the series, like the day and night. Uh, mm-hmm. variations you know like same same gist but like just a little different spin on it you know um which is really cool yeah and then with um
0: now you you actually have uh, the ability to choose the old music or the new music right or am I making that up
1: maybe if so I, I didn't I didn't mess around with it but that that's entirely possible I know a lot of games do that with um, when they when they have remastered, or rescored the game, they'll, they'll, they'll give you the option. But, uh, I, I didn't play around with it just because I wanted to hear the new versions. I'd already played through the game with the old soundtrack, which is, yeah, again, it's amazing. Uh, but I did want to hear all the new compositions because, uh, or the new arrangements because, uh, there, there, I mean, there was a lot of discussion in the, uh, NWR Slack chat about, you know, which, which version of the soundtrack do you prefer? And it was kind of split down the middle of people who played the game uh, preferring the old version or the definitive edition, um, and yeah, I, and I, I feel that I feel that split entirely. I just think the uh, part of it's better in the uh, the old one. Part is better than the new one, but um, you might be right, David. You might you might have that choice in the game.
0: Yeah, and the um, the other thing I found about Xenoblade, now it's I had played the uh, oh, Xenoblade Chronicles two, like that was my first for- soiree into the uh, Xenoblade world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was interesting to, to go back to, uh, to the first one, but the, I, I found, I, I had the same similar experience with like in Xenoblade 2, I re- I felt like it didn't really pick up until about 15 or 20 hours in. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I actually like can pinpoint the, the turning point for me, which was, um, the, there's a fight where, uh, with Rex, um, uh, I, I think it's ch- the end, like the end of chapter four, where there's an encounter okay. with Min and Mal, Jin and Malos, and uh, after that encounter, the the it opens up that you can have the third character, hmm. and that's when the com that it was that fight that the combat really started to click for me. Um, and once uh, once all of the combat was opened up at that point with the having been able to have the third blade, um, that's when I really started enjoying the Z- uh Xenoblade Two. Mm -hmm. And it it was similar experience here where it really took me like probably 10 or 10 or so 10, 12 hours before I kind of understood, um, how deep the battle mechanics were. (laughs) Like I found it kind of confusing at the beginning, the, the whole, like one person has to unbalance and then the other person or one person breaks and then the other uh, knocks them down Mm -hmm. and, and that all, and certain moves did it and I wasn't even powering up the arts because I don't even remember them telling me that I could power, like that the arts leveled up. Yeah. So when I finally realized that they they leveled up, I had uh, a ton of, um, I can't remember the exact, uh, what it's called, CP or AP or whatever it is, the the points that you get. Like I had a ton of points banked where I went like from level one to level four on most of the, the arts by the time I figured
1: out <laughs> super yeah, <powerful>. then <laughs> you're a total actually. beast after that, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. That's and all of a sudden, it wasn't it wasn't hard anymore. Yeah. I kept I was getting frustrated at how hard the game was and how long combat was taking. And then all of a sudden, everything everything clicked around that point <laughs> when I realized I had completely missed an entire mechanic, but. Um, even without that mechanic, I just, it just took a, a while to kind of wrap my head around what was happening in the battles.
1: Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with you with the, the slow start of Xenoblade Chronicles two. Um, I feel like the, this, uh, the first game, uh, I feel like it's a more, it is a slow start, but I don't know if it's, it, it, to me, it just gradually builds up the whole time. Like, I, I do think the game starts up very slow, but as soon as Colony 9 is attacked, like, you're kind of in it after that point, right? Like, you, you're, you're as Shulk, you're very motivated to get revenge. You get new characters kind of regularly enough. Like, as soon as, after you get Sharla in your party, um, you start to get new characters pretty often. But I, I think that the original trio of Ryan, Sharla, and Shulk is just so capable and so they kind of cover mm-hmm. all the bases that i think it's very hard to go away from that team right like i think it's very hard to not have charla on your team because her healing is so bloody useful yeah she's right like you, yeah. she's too you don't even need to worry <laughs> she i mean <laughs> yeah. if you don't understand she's the idea <laughs> if you don't understand the idea of ryan kind of being the tank and having to if having for him to have aggro the whole time uh, Charlotte kind of makes up for all that that maybe that lack of knowledge or that lack of skill, right? She kind of covers all your bases, just make sure you're healed up the whole time. Um and I, I think she can really even if you're not an expert in the combat system, I think she's kind of a, a little bit of a fail safe for you. Um kind of to kind of boost you up even if you're uh you're struggling with some of the mechanics. Um but but then again, it's David you mentioned like the you know, figuring out the break, uh the break topple and um I can't remember the last one. Uh Days the days, yeah. The, so the 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 three different status effects that you can afli- inflict on enemies, uh, and it's really important to be able to do that if you want to, uh, you know, take down some of the tougher enemies, especially the Mechon that you you end up fighting later on, um, or kind of throughout the story. Uh, but Ryan and Shulk are kind of designed perfectly for setting up that combo, right? where mm-hmm. Shulk, will use, Shulk has two abilities that inflict break. Uh, Ryan has uh, one ability that does topple, and they both have an ability that does daze. Um, uh, Shulk eventually gets a, a topple ability uh, later on as one of his Monado abilities. Um, but yeah, th- th- those two are kind of set up as this really, really strong pair. And I, I, I don't have a lot of experience with the other characters. I used uh, Melia a lot more than I did in my first time playing the game. I used her a lot more at the end. Uh, when there were a lot more bosses that were resistant to physical attacks, and you needed, you kind of wanted to have her ether-based attacks, uh, but other than that, I could kind of stick with my, uh, my tried-and-true uh, that, that starting trio. Yeah, that was, you know, like I said, I got Ricky,
2: and I was like, got to get my boy in there, and I was, like you said, Charlotte's is too good to pass up. You really need to too keep good. her in there. So I was like, all right, um, we'll get Ricky as the tank, and, you know, he's got a ton of HP, so it's like you can mm-hmm. make it work, but the problem is it's his his topple is like uh, chance based, I believe. Mm. So it's like you don't I be, if I if I'm read it correctly, you know, obviously you break, then topple. So like like you're saying, Shulk will do a yep. break, you know, Ryan topples. Where I believe Ricky's topple ability, you don't need to break. Like, it just has a Mm. chance to straight-up topple, but it's a smaller chance. So, it's like, I'm queuing up the break, waiting for him to go, and it's like, ah, you know, come on. And then even when you do a chain attack, it's like, okay, now I can control, you know, the moves here. And it doesn't always topple still. So, it was just like, as much as I wanted to keep him in there, it just didn't make sense. Like you said, Ryan is just too good because, you know, his topple is, you know, super consistent. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even the AI, like, and and I think with Shulk having two abilities to break, it's nice because you could break him, you know, work some of his other arts, and then hope that Ryan topples in that time. But if he doesn't, then you can just sort of back-to-back two moves so that timer, you know, is essentially double, and you, you you know, Mm -hmm. you hope Ryan pulls through. But, uh, yeah, it's just, he's too good. I mean and plus who doesn't want to hear it's rhyme time 40 million times you know throughout your adventure here <laughs> yeah.
1: their banter the banter between those three like yeah it gets a little grating by the end cuz it's so repetitive but it you is, it's is funny it's it's a charming part of the game i think uh i i liked i the one i like the best i think is uh when ryan says at the end of the battle like charla charla did you see what i did charla's like oh no what uh, i guess i wasn't i guess i wasn't listening or i guess i wasn't watching and he's like oh come on <laughs> and then shulk like laughs at him like it, it it's it, it's memorable and it, it's yeah i don't know they, they say it too much but i think it's just kind of part of that xenoblade charm so i don't really have much of a problem my with rifle's like the, getting uh... hotter <laughs> yeah that was that was a very frequent one too. <laughs> Uh, like uh, the Xenoblade 2, don't forget me. Yeah, that that was the best, because it was the enemy doing that right over and over again. <laughs> yes. But it was so bad, they took it out of the game. Like, <laughs> oh, it was so oh, sad.
0: Yeah. Yeah, is there any um, favorite moments or favorite things that stick out for you guys now that you've got, had a fresh
2: playthrough of uh, Xenoblade uh, Chronicles? Well, I- I'm still working my way through, but it's just, uh, you know, it, we did it when when Xenoblade 2 came out we did uh, or what actually when was it i'm trying to think when was xeno week when for nwr uh, it wasn't when xenoblade 2 came out because we'd already played it um no it was
0: um it was some i feel like it was like 8 uh, march or april of 2019
2: was it just a it random a week after. we were doing like, like there wasn't yeah. all right i was thinking for some reason it was lined up with some sort of release but we did essentially we did uh like why who thinks xenoblade one's the best x and two and you know Mm -hmm. at the time you know i was like xenoblade two is the best you know i i love that game i adore it and now revisiting xenoblade one it's like i'm starting to like remember like for for as like adventure the adventure in xenoblade two verse one it's like now i'm starting to like remember all, like, the little things and, and the interaction between the characters, and, and, like, there's plenty of that in Xenoblade 2, but, like, it's just, it's bringing back all those memories, finding those hidden spots and getting, like, the oh, you found the secret area and just, it it's, I feel like, for me, you're gonna be, say, what's your favorite Xenoblade game, you know, and, like, it'll probably be the one I played most recently, except for <laughs> X. Like, I know Good that point. one's not gonna be <laughs> the best ever, because it's not. But, um, oh, I, I guess it's just, just the world is so cool, and, and, like, in Xenoblade 2, I love, you know, the different, you know, areas around the different, you know, beasts and stuff, and, and it's really cool, but just the epicness of these two big titans in this, you know, never-ending battle, and then your quest to travel up and, and get to the other side, and, uh, it's, just, I mean, I guess you asked a moment after the whole game. Uh, <laughs> the whole <thing>. yeah. um, <laughs> Every time I turn it on. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. but it's, I mean, it's serious. It's, I guess, you know, having played it already, it's just bringing back a flood of, of memories, you know, where I'm not even up to certain parts, but, like, I've, you know, I've already had uh, things throughout the game sort of spark emotions that sort of, rem- you know, have reminded me of those things, and I... I just can't say enough about Xenoblade, man, and, and just, just a quick touchback on the battle mechanics or the battle system. To me, it's just so much fun. You know, I almost never run away from a battle, or, or I should say, almost never avoid a battle. You know, I I'm, I see guys, I'm going to go fight him because I just, I don't know, I, I just think it's super fun. It sort of plays a little bit like an MMO, you know, with uh, the cooldowns and positioning being really a huge factor on how you know how you dispose of these enemies. Like to me, there's nothing more satisfying than top uh, break topple, days backslash. You know, and seeing like that huge number come up and just seeing a mm-hmm. big monster chunk of that HP dropping. Oh, so good.
1: Yeah, I so I uh, I think that every game in the series so far that I've played, and I'm going to say the exception is Torna because I, I I know people love uh, Torna and it's it's an expansion, but I, I I'm not a huge fan of it. But for the main games, uh, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles X, I think the flying and the scales, I don't think that any other game in the series has, has done something so kind of interesting in terms of exploration. I think being able to fly around that world is really, really amazing. And I I really hope we do get a port of that game to Switch or we get a sequel to Xenoblade X that brings back that flying mechanic because uh, you really do feel like you earn it. And then the combat and the scales is really cool. But yeah, just just exploring the world from above kind of adds this new dimension that's really interesting. Um, I, I think for me, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 has the better kind of climax and, and ending. I, I think I, I, I was really emotional at the ending uh, of Xenoblade Chronicles 2, uh, and you know, it, it definitely all these games are worth playing, I think, uh, but you know, especially the Switch games, uh, and I guess now the Switch games, um, but I, I guess for me, it's top to bottom the cast of Xenoblade Chronicles 1 that I really, really like. I feel like they they all bond together, they, their relationships are really endearing, um, even, even the villains, like, you know, the people you're maybe not so Supposed to like as much or that turn out to be uh they kind of in, in a twist turn out to be villains like i think they're very compelling um and they're they're multi-dimensional too they're not just like kind of like maybe bad for the sake of being bad they they, they, they want something they're out to get something uh every character seems to have a, a good motivation for what they're doing um I, th- I think the last five to ten hours of xenoblade chronicles is kind of non-stop like it's one kind of epic moment after the other. And yeah, so just for me, from the beginning of Xenoblade Chronicles to the end, it's just such a complete RPG. Uh, And it really kind of, I guess for me, it defines maybe what an open world RPG should be. Uh, I I wish the side quests were a little bit more in depth. A lot of them were just kind of fetch quests in this game. Um, I feel like in maybe some other RPGs that we, we have played or we are playing, uh, the side quests are much more involved. You actually get kind of more story rewards. It's hard to tell in this game which side quests are going to give you uh, an enjoyable story reward. Uh, but you and you do want to seek those out if you can't identify them. Um, the the idea that uh, you you have you know dozens of side quests connected to collecting a certain item I don't really care for. But I think the ones that encourage you to fight different enemies are actually great. I think it's a really good motivating factor for exploring the world and finding new enemies that you haven't fought before uh, and learning kind of how to take them down even faster. Like it's a, you're really, I don't know if you're incentivized to grind, but the the side quests kind of fu- uh, function as a very smart way of getting you to grind. Um, and I, I guess I like that aspect of it. Um you you'll notice that the a lot of the quests don't give you experience. Uh, experience right only only the more involved ones do like usually if it's collect something or fight ten ogres or ten you know ten giant turtles or something you're not gonna you're probably not gonna get experience on that because the experience is built into the the hunting that you're doing right so that's maybe that's one way you can identify some of the more uh, involved or character driven uh, side quests is by whether they give you experience or not but. You're just constantly unlocking things and improving and and seeing numbers and stats go up in this game. Like it's, yeah, damn, this is, it's a really good RPG. Like uh, this shouldn't be a blind spot for people. Like, again, it's very available to people on modern platform to, uh, you know, on Switch or on, you know, a new 3DS if you've got that, but yeah, for it to be available on Wii and Wii U as well, like there's no excuse, I'd say today for not having played this game when it came to Wii, absolutely. Like it was super hard to find North America. It came over late. Uh, but it's only become more visible as the series has grown in popularity. So um yeah, play play Xenoblade Chronicles. There, there there are so many enjoyable moments. Like Casey, you you nailed it. Like it's hard to pinpoint one moment in this game. I think the the first game is about just kind of building up and building up and it's filled with memorable moments with the characters and you're constantly worried about, uh, you know, is someone going to make it? Is someone going to survive? What's going to happen to uh, the characters you meet and the characters you control? So yeah, it's a it's a ride for sure.
2: Yeah, and real quick, just to, to piggyback, just the world in general, it's there, mm. it's so rewarding and fun and exciting to get to the next area just because you know it's going to be beautiful it's going to be really fun to explore and like all like visually the game is stunning so when you get to these different areas and then to see how it transforms at night in comparison to how it is during the day like Mm -hmm. they'll warn you like hey be careful at night it gets more dangerous out there you know so it, it makes it feel like a real you know living breathing world not just from you know these big gargantuan um enemies and you know not always enemies there's just you know sometimes just big monsters that don't attack you they're just chilling you know Mm -hmm. they're just living you know so it's cool to just go around and and see what the game has to offer because as david mentioned before it has a lot to offer it's they're big open areas to explore and and it's just really cool
0: yeah, and the, I mean, Mon- Monolith Soft, I think, is really turning, like, turned into a premier RPG developer, because For sure. there's there's so many games where, like, you, you can pinpoint elements that you like, like, maybe you, there's a certain game where you enjoy the battle mechanics, but they're you know, the, there's, maybe the characters aren't as uh, enjoyable, or, uh, or you kind of get the, maybe the, the environment's not as elaborate or whatever, but, like, They they really nail everything because they have like these big beautiful uh picturesque environments that you can explore freely. Uh, The cast has been like in I haven't played X, but uh, between Xenoblade One and Two, there's very few characters that I don't like in either game. Mm -hmm. Like I can't even really name any per se. Like uh, like you said the. Not only do you feel for the the heroes, but you also feel for the villains. Like it, it feels very yeah. real in that sense. Um, the the music has been is dynamite in both games. Uh, they just seem to to get everything right. Um, for if I had to pick one or the other, like I would go with Xenoblade Chronicles two, but I would p- put in asterisk in the sense that I don't know if I've given the first Xenoblade Chronicles the same um the same amount of uh, attention opportunity mm-hmm. to 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 wow me because not yeah. only am I playing on the Wii which uh, I, I'm already predisposed to not like Wii games to begin with because I like it uh, I don't like the controller and the, the old graphics and stuff just or mm-hmm. uh, turn off for me um so had, had I played the the definitive edition obviously that would have made a bigger impact Um i've seen screenshots like i know the menus look much clearer much crisper yeah, so i yeah. think it would be easier to cut kind of, to really get into because that's part of the thing like i'm i'm playing uh, a game that was designed for a crt tv on a 4k television <laughs> like it's the there's a bit of a blur to it like it's it's yeah. not not so easy to play even though the wii u does uh, a decent enough job of trying to upscale a little bit but and then I guess the other difference, too, was is I actually played Xenoblade Chronicles 2 before starting the podcast, <laughs> so I had more time. <laughs> uh, and, the, the days before the Switch. Yeah, like, because I think back in the day, like, Xenoblade, I think you could have, like, two, I believe, had you stuck to just kind of stick it to the main quest and that sort of thing. You could do it in about 70, 80 hours. Uh But I had was going right right for all the side quests and everything and i think by the end i had about 110 120 hours down and yeah it was early in the in the switch's life so there wasn't as much to, to play and uh so just yeah a, a different playing the games at different times on different systems like i i, I feel like the first xenoblade already was starting with like you know uh, it was an uphill their, battle their shoelaces tied or yeah, exactly. Like it was, it was going to be a hard act to follow to begin with. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so it's, it, I'm reluctant to to pick one over the other, but I think if, if, uh, if you said to me now, like, okay, you only get to pick one for your switch, which one did you take? I'd probably stick with Chronicles two.
1: Yeah. I, I bet David, if you played through the game, the definitive edition on switch, I think you'd have a harder time saying that. Like I, because uh, mm. i have i have played both obviously and uh, i think i put more time into assembly chronicles 2 i i might prefer it but man it, it uh, before i started i definitely preferred it but after playing this version on switch this latest one it's it's bloody close man like they're they're both really really excellent rpgs that do different things i think they have a lot of different tone i think that uh, you know Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a lot more lighthearted a lot more kind of leans into the kind of anime style and the comedy uh, and it just, just feels a little bit more whimsical whereas mm. you know Xenoblade Chronicles is it's very serious it, it's 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 traumatic it's dramatic it's it has a lot of like kind of ups and downs to it and I think the comic relief is very um there is there is a bunch of it but it's not the comic relief are the smaller elements of this game I think like there's there's just a lot of kind of big set pieces and grand moments that take place in this game that kind of change the change the world, change the landscape. Like if we can, if you can permit me one spoiler here. So you know, if you if you don't want to be spoiled on the game at all, you know, just just turn off for maybe five minutes and come back for Last Call. Um, but I think one of the biggest things about Dinoblade Chronicles is the realization that the enemy you're fighting, uh, the the mech on, are not re- not necessarily your enemy, right? Or they. They are, um, they don't have to be your enemy, I suppose, right? You fight Mechon throughout the entire game, but the kind of the cause of all this fighting and all of this war is is not what you think it is, right. And so uh, maybe you, your motivations change as a result of learning about uh, who you're who your enemies actually are, right. And that discovery, I think, is really powerful and interesting. Um, but yeah, you just, you spend this whole game fighting these mech on, fighting these, the the faced mech on especially, but when you learn more about them, uh, I mean, the, the during some of the final battles, like they, the faced mech on are like, they're, they're with you, they're supporting you, right? Like it, it, it all kind of flips on its head there. So, um, I, I love when that happens, when the enemies kind of become your friends, that, that, I don't know if it's a trope, but that, uh, that kind of, that kind of, that story element that happens, I really enjoy that. And I think, uh, you get, you get that in this game. I don't know that you get that in um, uh, the other Xenoblade games. Yeah,
2: and it's especially, you know, I feel like that's only sort of more emphasis on it by the fact that, you know, the entire plot for, you know, the beginning portion of the game is just revenge. It is, ap- like, yes, that is the exactly. driving motivation of the game. is, and, and, and it's funny, too, like having obviously not played it in a while, to go back and just hear... Like, Shulk is angry, you know, and, and like, he yep. obviously has really good reason to be. But it's, it's yeah, it's interesting to be, like, the the motivation, the driving motivation of this game is revenge, you know? Like, that's, mm-hmm. like you said, that sort of sets the tone for, for how the game plays out. And, like you said, to get the, that twist down the road and just sort of, like, oh, okay, like, like weird, you know? Like, alright, like, mm-hmm. this is what this game's doing. And then, like, at the very end, like, how things keep spiraling you know and then like and i think mm-hmm. it's even more interesting how you know two sort of connects back at the end how you see that but uh yeah this mm. um definitely is not like a super light-hearted game but
1: you know it, it's no.
2: definitely really an intriguing game and and it keeps you engaged throughout even though it's a super long game as well
1: yeah, the lighthearted moments are are strictly character interactions. There's nothing lighthearted in the story, right? The story is, it's dark, it's serious. Yeah, it's a tale of revenge. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Shulk's voice actor, um, who does such a good job of kind of the agonizing cry or the agonizing scream, right? Like when when someone's taken away from Shulk or when, you know, they're, they're so close to uh, saving somebody and he, he kind of shouts their name. Like it, it's really, really powerful and emotional. And so uh, I, I don't know the voice actor's name, but whoever did it just, just kind of nails that that gravity and the emotion of those situations and the those kind of guttural screams or those guttural cries that shulk does usually at the end of like a the end of a a boss battle or as they, as you transition into a new chapter yeah they're just absolutely on point so kudos to uh to shulk's voice actor and really kudos to all the voice actors in this game i think they're all excellent and um it, it's kind of a new i think it's a welsh uh kind of accent or it's, it's a different kind of accent that you might be then you might be accustomed to but i really like uh uh the voice actors in this game yeah so. I-
0: I got I got his name it's uh, Adam Howden. Okay. So he's yeah. uh, an English actor. Um so his notable roles were he was Anders in Dragon Age 2. Oh, awesome. Yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah. and uh Shulk and uh Tintin for the video based or for the video game based on the adventures of Tintin. <laughs> um I I don't think anyone here has played he's also the a voice in a character for Final Fantasy 14.
1: Okay.
2: Fable.
0: I'm um, in a couple.
2: I see Fable three, uh, various mm-hmm. roles. I mean, yeah, not like a big top name name there. What else he got? Um, look at
1: that, Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah, Dave was saying. I mean, clearly, yeah. the, clearly, this guy's been around the block, but I think I just think he does a very good job of bringing Shulk to life. Like I, Shulk is one of my favorite protagonists. Like he he does feel uh, kind of like a real character, fully realized character, and. Uh, Adam Howden clearly does a good job uh, kind of making him feel that way.
2: Yeah, no, like like you were saying, the whole cast is really well done, you know. And mm-hmm. like you said, I love those accents. I love that they've stuck with it, too. You know, obviously it made sense because the game wasn't going to be localized, you know, originally in North America, right? That's so right. it it That's made right. sense to have that kind of accent, you know, for the region you're publishing in right so i think it mm-hmm. it sort of like a beautiful i don't want to say mistake but like a, a set of events that sort of <laughs> you know obviously it came over to america later on but i'm glad they didn't redo anything they just kept it what it was and and now that's sort of uh their staple for the series mm-hmm.
0: well just like in xenoblade it was fate yep yep amen yes. that's right.
2: Call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up, and order again. This is the last call for alcohol. Get All right,
0: well, we we wanted to keep it to an hour, and we're doing good so far. And uh, I think it's time to, to move into last call. And uh, so the, the last call uh, that I was thinking of uh, tonight was... Uh, what do you guys think is left? Uh, there's so many definitive editions, adjur- like DX and deluxe editions and all these different editions that are coming to Switch these days. Uh, what's, what's left? What, what what do we need that we don't have yet that uh, we're still waiting there or, or holding out hope that we're going to find out about?
2: Well, it's funny. I, w- I was thinking about it, and I'm like, yeah, what what games do we have here that we could really get into? Um, And, and I thought of one, and it it might actually be more like a definitive collection and that's uh Uh the golden sun games i mean these have not you know been released i mean i I guess there was like the wii u i think virtual console there (laughs) i don't know why yes that's right you necessarily want to play like that but you know maybe i mean even just ports of and added as a collection i think would be really great but i mean if they wanted to to do some some more upgrading to it as well uh would be really cool and you know this is a game i played the original golden sun i never beat it back in the day but it was always one of those at least to me like i don't want to say like like a unicorn game in the sense that it's like i've never gotten to beat it you know and it people have such fond memories of these games too and i think it would you know people would be excited and you know if it's just a you know a collection of these ports you know maybe minimal work but it would bring you know breath into uh the the franchise at least get people excited to to go back and try it and who knows maybe all of a sudden you go wow it, there was a great success maybe you know they uh, bring the the series back to life with a new game or something
1: yeah I think K- K- he says a good one I hadn't, I hadn't I hadn't kind of thought that far back but I think there's a lot of games uh, on GBA and DS that uh, would would be would be really, really welcome to uh, some kind of remaster, remake, or uh, what have you. Um, because Dave was asking about a definitive edition, I, I want to stick closer to uh, maybe the Xbox 360, uh, PS3, uh, Wii generation. Um, and I, I'm not going to say Mass Effect because I think we're getting those. I think it's going to be a Mass Effect um, remaster trilogy coming soon. Um, but I will say Dragon Age because I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, so Dragon <laughs> Age had dragon age you origins about- <laughs> i'm sorry david yeah <laughs> dragon age origins had a an ultimate edition which combined the base game with its uh standalone uh dlc called uh awakening um, so you could buy the ultimate edition and get uh, all the dlc kind of bundled in together i, I mean it, it's been on sale for really cheap um and I, I must have it somewhere but um uh, it's just one of those RPGs that I think I think it still holds up very well today. I think you could just do some quality of life changes, uh, you know, throw a, a nice uh, coat of paint on it, uh, and it'd still be very, very playable and very, very enjoyable still today. Uh, it'd be a nice thing to see that before the fourth Dragon Age game comes out, which seems to be a while away. I, I, my understanding is it's um <clears throat> been, uh, it's had a little bit of development trouble and has been rebooted. And Bioware is just kind of, had had a lot of difficulties uh, with with Anthem and Mass Effect Andromeda, so who knows, you know, when we're going to see Dragon Age Four? I think there were some uh, screenshots, not screenshots, uh, some concept art shown of the game today during EA's uh, EA's Play uh, event that they had this afternoon. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see in the meantime uh, just to you know bring back the original Dragon Age. I think it's still the best one of the of the three that have come out so far. Uh, it has the most meaningful decisions. I, I, I just love the kind of the, the way you can start the game with different, uh, different races and different characters. Um, yeah, sorry to st- steal your thunder a little bit <laughs> though, David, it's just uh, the Bioware games. Like I, I, I really want to replay them, but I'm kind of waiting for, uh, definitive editions. I'm waiting for remasters of those games. Cause it's not that they, I don't think they play well now. It's just like, if I, if I'm going to experience, those you know 20 30 40 hour rpgs again or you know multiple uh, entries in a trilogy i want to play an upgraded or updated version of those games and i'd i'd kind of kick myself if i started playing mass effect 1 2 and 3 again from the ps3 trilogy and then we get a remaster for ps4 or ps5 or something like that so uh, kind of still holding out hope we'll see some of those soon but i'd really like to see uh, dragon age especially
0: yeah, I was I was definitely thinking Dragon Age myself because the what the EA plays and they're announcing like seven games are coming to Switch, but they only yeah. named two. Uh it would be pretty easy if three of those seven were a trilogy, whether it's <laughs> yeah. Ma- Mass Effect or Mass Effect or Dragon Age uh or both potentially were like maybe they're not c- considering Burnout part of that seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that we really only know the one, which is Apex Legends. It would be funny to I find. Get, I get could a... see them.
1: I, I could see trilogies. them calling. <laughs> I could see them calling the trilogy one game though, right? Because hopefully, if you... oh, that's yeah, it's possible. <laughs> oh come on! I mean, if you if you remastered it and sold them as singular, like single entries, that'd be. I mean, I wouldn't put it past EA. You guys are right, but yeah. I mean, that would be really, really scummy to do that. <laughs> but when yeah. there's already a trilogy that exists like there's already a trilogy package no I I can't imagine they would do that
2: I mean maybe they They have the option um like uh like some recent releases that you know our collections maybe they allow you to sort of purchase them individually on the eShop if you wanted but I can't imagine they would like charge you 60 bucks or 50 bucks per you know
1: yeah 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 that would be brutal (laughs) and
2: David would eat it up I bet (laughs) yeah
0: Well, and it just makes sense that it would be something from that era because, um, what's the, we just got a bunch, like a few, they weren't even that great of titles, but I feel like we just got a whole bunch of, uh, last year, uh, a bunch of PS3 era games. Like, wasn't there not, it's not lost odyssey that came to switch.
1: No. Um, it's, uh, um. Oh, i thought i see is think... still trapped on xbox 360 xbox one i i, I yeah, that's a game that'd be great to see a remaster of that too
0: yeah it's an xbox 360 game uh i'm trying to think of who ended up because i know james was the one that did the the review for Oh,
1: it. the last last remnant is that the one you're thinking of? oh that's it yeah last yeah.
0: remnant so so that was uh i believe from the xbox 360
1: i think so too yeah
0: yeah, so that was that remaster, and then we obviously... The, at the Atelier had games, like which Souls we talked and, about, too.
1: Yeah, Dark Souls yeah. is a good one. The Atelier games were all remasters as well of PS3 games, so...
0: Yeah, so it, it just it makes too much sense to not ha- see something like this come from EA. Like, even if it's not Switch, like you would think... Well, there are Because we don't have any... We have, like, they have trilogies, but they don't have, like, a
1: remaster, though, right? For I mean, the I- PS4? Do do I mean does does EA even do a lot of remasters or remakes? I feel like they're always about new new entries in the series, right? If they if they don't have anything Mm. new to do, they they won't they won't bring it back, right? It's I'm sure they I'm sure like you know don't don't jump down my throat here, listeners. I'm sure (laughs) I'm sure EA has done remasters in the past, but I feel like it's not considering what they're back considering the the amount of IP they own, they don't do nearly enough uh, of bringing bringing back those old games. So. In some form, right? They they seem more uh, interested in uh, games that they can monetize uh, as, as games as a service or live games, right? I think that's that's why we don't see as many titles from them because they they spend so much time thinking about how to kind of squeeze every last drop out of a title rather than just releasing more games. And uh, you know, yeah. I, I and it's what it's what's really kind of made the Bioware games suffer. I think is trying to make them something that they're not.
0: Yeah, well, I guess Kotor has been uh, tossed around a few times because they had like the iPad version. Yeah, and I think they might have had like a semi-remastered version for PC or, or not PC. Um, for a console, but yeah, so but it's the, not the, it's that's not that's remastered the in the PC. way that
1: we would want it to be, right? I mean, Kotor yeah. is a game that probably needs to be remade rather than remastered. It, it's it's old enough, and I, I think maybe. Uh, D- tougher to go back to that. I, you, if you want to do that, you just make an you make a new game. But again, you look at what KotOR became; it became an MMO, right? And now it's yeah. constantly being monetized. And so, yeah, it's tough. It's tough with the games that are kind of uh, held on to, uh, held prisoner, I suppose, by EA. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, the 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 worst thing that we could find out is that Dragon Age Four is going to be an MMO.
1: I I I, I David don't. Don't be surprised if Dragon Age Four has elements uh, of of a live game that we actually don't like. Like, it, I mean, mm-hmm. it could just be as simple as like, oh, there's going to be DLC, right? And or constant kind of updates to the game, free updates or something. But it could also just be Anthem, but with dragons. <laughs> and I, think I, read, <laughs> I think I read something <laughs> like that. I was doing a little reading. To, I think I read, you know, Jason Schreier might have said something, or you know, one of his sources might have said something like that. I'm like, oh, please. Please don't make it that right. We don't. We don't yeah. need another anthem. Uh, that was kind of a disaster. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Like, uh, there's a lot of great games from that that uh, that particular console generation that would do really well on Switch, especially. You know, it's really great to come back to those games in a portable format. So, yep, totally agree. Dragon Age Origins. That's what I want to see on Switch. <laughs> yep, let's do it. Um. So I think that takes us to uh, the end of our episode. It went a little bit long, but that's okay. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles obviously a really, really fantastic game. If you haven't checked it out, a lot of places to do that. Uh, you should uh, should look into it. It's uh, definitely an all-timer. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining us uh, tonight to talk about Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, Casey joined us, as he uh, often does. Uh, Casey, what uh, what are you guys doing with uh, Talk Nintendo? What, uh, what kind of... Uh, I'm trying to think, like, what, what games you guys are going to be talking about. What uh, What's happening with Talk Nintendo these days? What have you got? Uh,
2: well, we're, we're encroaching episode 200 uh, fast and, and right. furiously, which is uh, sort of crazy and hard to believe. But, uh, yep, that'll be coming up in just a couple weeks. We just released 197 mm-hmm. today. Um, you know, obviously we're talking about some Xenoblade over there, too. There's a good chance we might be talking about Burnout Paradise as well. Because uh, Mm. I'm weak. But um, also, I guess, uh, (laughs) something really cool is we were going to be flying out to New York and being part of the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo. But unfortunately, with everything going on in the world, um, that was sort of not canceled outright, but sort of shifted to an online um, virtual expo. So we're going to be giving a panel on that it's August 8th and 9th. I don't know exactly which day we are yet. we're still waiting to hear from that, but we're gonna be doing a uh, sort of a retrospective type uh, panel on the Nintendo GameCube which is almost going to be 20 years old. Um, so we we think that's gonna be a lot of fun and otherwise yeah we uh, just we're chugging along to 200 and um, you know obviously uh, we've got our crossover episode coming up next week with you guys um we're going to be looking mm-hmm. at uh oh my god i'm blanking on it right now star star tropics it, <laughs> it's funny actually in yeah. this the episode we just released today uh for some reason I, I i wanted to call uh i was like yeah we got our crossover episode coming up with the dirty mage <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so we
2: were thinking that might be a a new moniker for when we have
1: crossovers with the the old dirty mage I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah no, that sounds good. I knew there were some things I wanted to tiptoe around in the uh, the Long Island uh, Expo that you guys are going to be doing uh, some work for. That sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. So we'll have to tune in for that. Um, so yeah thanks Casey for joining us as a, as, as you usually do um, crossover episode next week talking about Star StarTropics uh, which is part of the Nintendo Switch Online NES games so if anyone wants to give that a shot uh, hop in or try to. I don't think it's all that long I think it's in the 7 to 10 hour range uh, if you yep. want to give that a shot before you hop in uh, before we hop into it uh, uh, during next week's recording uh, you've got a little bit of time to take care of that uh, I, I've only started the game I need to, to put in a lot more time I, I did play the original in NES um, but uh, yeah I'm looking forward to giving that some time as well um, if you haven't already you know please uh, subscribe to the Thirsty Mage on your podcast player of choice uh, you can check out a lot of interesting content that David's been putting up on the Thirsty Mage webpage, uh, the thir- just uh, uh Thirsty Mage YouTube, where we've got uh, reviews. Uh, Casey and David do a weekly uh, news uh, kind of update, uh, which usually goes, it's usually live on Fridays, is that right? Uh, you guys record on Thursday for a Friday yep. posting? And yep.
0: then the... Uh live on the sunday so it there'd be one there now where we yep. talk about uh paper mario the origami king
1: and i think you you did one kind of uh talking about the ps5 reveal as well right yep and yep.
0: then uh, the last of us 2 uh we did the week before that and uh, the last of us 2 is actually a game i'm going to be uh again by the time you're hearing this i'll be playing that uh, on my ps4 with uh, a review uh upcoming whenever i can get through that there's a couple couple big names on the on the on my switch and ps4 right now so mm-hmm. it's a, a couple big big names long games so we're not 100 when when those will be ready but and and
1: if yeah. you thought david was drinking a lot of beer before now wait till he starts <laughs> the last of us 2 where he's going to be uh committing a lot of uh, a lot of murder as far as i've yes. uh, been able to ascertain from comments on on the internet and uh, it's a little bit
2: well, it's i
0: sounds like it. it's encouraged though so
1: yeah so very much <laughs> And so, i was yeah. gonna say much yeah.
2: like xenoblade he is playing the second before the first
1: that's, that's oh, right. yeah there you go yeah that's i've right. never
0: played the first one yeah
1: actually that'll be interesting david we'll have to hear uh some of your opinions about that obviously uh, you're gonna do uh, a review of some kind for the game but uh yeah that's yeah. A, an interesting one for a game that i think um very much is about story right and it's about the focus on the characters in the story so to hop in kind of ahead of uh the the first game it'll be interesting to see how your take on that game um yeah, but I think that I think it does it for uh, this episode and the wrap up. So uh, thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you can leave us a review uh, on your your podcast app, that's awesome. Helps with the visibility of the podcast. Uh, we would truly appreciate it. Uh, but uh, that's uh, all for us for tonight. We will catch you next week with uh, an episode on Star Tropics, and the Talk Nintendo boys are going to join us for that. So uh, thanks again, everybody. Have a good night and talk to you soon. Goodbye. Adios. Bye.